Welcome to Y11 Audio. I'm Alex Alvarado, and thank you for listening. It's Saturday, which means that doing a Conversations with Justin Coffin episode right now. We already did the pre-recorded conversation earlier in the week, so we'll have that up in a little bit. Already finished editing that, so all I got to do is this quick little intro and just say, uh, correction, correction. We talk about my true seniors list that I wrote about a little bit earlier in the week. Uh, finally published it a couple days ago. I shared him, shared with him the notes that I had uh, in writing it, and then when I was finishing writing it, I uh, had to make a couple of edits. So in the episode, we say NIU has 10 true seniors and Toledo has Toledo has two. But instead, Toledo has one and NIU has 11. So small edits there. Sorry about that. What's a true senior? It's we'll, we'll talk about it in the episode ahead. But a true senior, just so I can iron this out really quickly. Uh, imagine a guy that signs with your Mac team straight out of high school sees the field right away as a true freshman, put an asterisk in that because 2020 is now affected by that. Um, I didn't really hold not playing football in 2020 against anybody. So whether or not true freshmen saw the field in 2020 or true freshmen saw the field in 2021, you're both considered for this. Sometimes they're the same guys because you were still a true freshman for two years. That's just how it worked. Weird. The world was a weird time. Guys that saw the field as true freshmen, true sophomores, true juniors, and are now true seniors after three years with the team. No history of transferring out. No history of redshirting. These are guys that are on the field repeatedly and are asked to, if not start, just be in the rotation, be guys that you can count on for 40, 50, 60, maybe 70 snaps a game. And they're the guys that, you know, you can really count on. Bill Connolly has the returning production percentages. I have those in the article, too, if you read that. Just to give you a quick little breakdown of, you know, what what the two, you know, the two numbers look like the you know the returning production very very useful it's used for the, his sp plus uh rankings that you know very very helpful to help understand your football teams those are all like percentages of like statistics and how that lines up with the roster of guys that are coming back and not so that's all helpful for what it is mine's just different mine is just i'm counting guys I'm just counting guys that were on the field. That's it. There's no special formula to that. These are guys that, you know, standouts on offense, standouts on defense for the most part. So check that out if you haven't. Um, Yeah, I'm just going to keep this intro short because the conversation runs a little bit long. So do enjoy that. Uh, Yeah, thank you for listening. Justin, Coffin, you and I are both very tired people, but I'm not a dad. You're a very tired dad. Uh, how are you doing tonight, man? Uh, tired, as you said, uh, but wouldn't miss this for the world. I appreciate that. few topics that we have to get to. I do have a list that I'm going to be putting out on Ipsy11.com. Uh, at this point, maybe it's, maybe I already published it. Uh, true seniors. True seniors. Uh, it's, a, it's a phrase that I made up. 
now I'm, I'll, we'll reveal the definition of it in a little bit, but your thoughts on what a true senior is and how, you know, is this like a group, a class of, of players that's, uh, that's recognized enough, do you think? Oh, considering I haven't heard the term till tonight, I would say they're not getting there too. I, I, the mainstream I really, media. I appreciate you playing around, playing along with me. Um, true seniors, they're like true freshmen where like they're on the field immediately, but they've been on the field for the past three years. They never transferred out, never had to take a red shirt. I wanted to take a look around the Mac and see who's got the most of them because we're all looking at, you know, like the returning production percentage, which is like a really useful stat over at ESPN um, from Bill Connolly. Helps build the SB plus that we kind of use throughout the year. But true seniors, you know, how many guys around the locker room are we looking at and we're saying, hey, you're a culture piece because you were on the field at such a young age and you decided to stick it out and not transfer out. You know, you're a guy that didn't have to take a red shirt, whether it be medical, whether it be, you know, developmental reasons. You're a guy that we were able to trust from, you know, pretty much the jump and you're still here and we're happy to have you. Bowling Green's the top of the list with 15 of those guys. NIU has 10. Everybody else has a handful. CMU has five. Ball State, EMU, Kent State have four. Miami has six. Ohio, Toledo, Western Michigan have two. And Akron and Buffalo only have one guy each. Uh, Justin, I I showed you the list in the notes. Uh, Your thoughts when uh, just looking at this list and then just trying to compare it, maybe, maybe not, with uh, like the returning production percentage that you'll see over at ESPN. Feels pretty impressive with Bowling Green, right? Um, a lot of dudes that have been around a while and um, kind of just sort of fits with the sort of like trajectory Bowling Green's been on, right? Mm-hmm. I think a lot was made of when Loeffler first got there. It was beyond four years ago, right? But they didn't... Um, I mean, I know I bring it up all the time. They didn't even fill all their scholarships, right? So they've kind of come a long way from being a team that kind of just didn't have anybody there to everybody who's here is, you know, still here. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, if they hadn't just made back-to-back bowl games, you could say, like, well, is that because they're not portaling because nobody wants them in the portal? I think that's very obviously not the case. Uh, they also... You know, they're putting guys in the NFL. So I think it's a really, really good sign. If I was a Bowling Green fan, I'd feel actually a lot better looking looking at this as like just one additional reason to um, feel a lot better about the Loeffler era mm-hmm. than maybe you did two years ago, two and a half years ago. Yeah, and like maybe you might want to like look at this list and be like, if you're a Bowling Green fan, you're looking at this and you're like, oh man, I wish like at least one of these guys was like, a real like you know Odu Hilaire like I wish like we could talk about him being like on this list like somebody that's like you know a pop out superstar um you know they have like some guys that like have done like some really really well like some guys have like done well or some guys have done better than others see like we are so tired tonight um some guys have been like death pieces some guys are just like special teams dudes some guys are like the second or the third running back on this list so like there's a lot of like depth that's staying on this team, which is important to have. You know what I mean? Don't get me wrong. And that's why, like, I'm going to have to consider Bowling Green uh, really, really highly when it comes to, you know, thinking about who might be my pick for the Mac champion in 2024. I don't know. I don't know. They have, like, a really tough division that they're going to be playing in now. 
pod, I guess I'm saying. But having just like so many guys, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just obviously eye popping. Bowling Green, you're up there. Speaking of eye popping number, NIU, for as much as NIU has lost through the transfer portal over the past few years, having double digit guys, uh, including Ontario Brown, Evan Buss, Javon Boyd, you know, some all Mac names on here. Not any less impressive than Bowling Green, maybe by five guys, but that's an impressive look for NIU. And like I'm looking at them, uh, I don't know, a little bit more optimistically than I thought I would at the end of the year. They still have some things that they need to figure out, but I like, you know, some of these names that they've been keeping around. Yeah, they've got to learn how to play defense again, but yeah, there's that. Um, <laughs> so. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's still a good sign again. Yeah. Another, like you mentioned, it's a team like branded as a losing a little bit of production in the portal and well, a lot of bit of production in the portal, but they seem to do okay replacing it at least on offense. Um, and I don't know, just generally encouraging that there's 10 guys on your roster who've been there for four years. Have to imagine that's really good for culture building, uh, or maintaining or anything like that. Um, that these guys want to stick around, keep contributing. Uh, any thoughts on the rest of this list? Uh, I mean, I'm looking at, uh, I mean, we had talked about like Toledo. They ha- they're obviously like a special roster where like they have a lot of talented dudes that just up and down. Uh, there's only two guys on this list. One guy that's not on this list, but is like a, I think like essentially six year player, uh, Jerron Newton. He's obviously a huge playmaker for Toledo. Um, and then, like, over at Miami, you know, there's important guys on that list, too. Kicker kicker Graham Nicholson, he's on that list. Who's not on that list? Brett Gabbert. No, he's not. So they have, like, a, they have a lot of depth but he does there, return. Like people who would be considered seniors. Mm-hmm. But not true seniors, as you would say. Yeah, that, it's just a definition, you know. Just definition. Something to think about, chew on. Um, I think something that stands out. Uh, maybe this is just skewed more by the COVID year, kind of just creating like um, people taking the COVID year, like maybe just created a logjam on some of these rosters, which maybe ushered some people out into the portal a little earlier than maybe they would have. Um, so maybe we needed a, a couple years before this becomes a thing with a capital T. Um, what jumps out to me is uh, places like Ball State only having four mm-hmm. um, that are you know, for so the the way to read this basically would be that only four players from whatever that class was four years ago are still on the roster. Yeah. So now is, is that the way to think of it? That that is the way to think of it, and it's obviously awkward to like introduce it when the first year to do it is like, oh, when was that? COVID. Okay. So <laughs> I I was sympathetic to 2020. I didn't want to hold. You know, and this is not, not red shirts. Right, because you you Not technically didn't lose. You technically didn't get redshirted. You never lost or anything with eligibility, right? Yeah. So, I'm not going to hold not playing football in 2020 against anybody. But it does help. I will point out, like you know, and like I do have like you know, I do show like how many games everybody's playing. So you are getting like a full glance of like, okay, how many? Okay, okay, this makes it. He's played 29 games. He's played 40 games. But mm. like they're in the same signing class. Got it got it ball state stands out because they haven't had a coaching change i mean a lot of the other um 
schools towards the bottom of the list have had a coaching change in the last four seasons. Mm -hmm. Um, Ohio, Western, Akron, Buffalo, Kent State have all had recent-ish coaching changes, or at least within the time frame that we're measuring here. Buffalo with two. Yeah, and so they all don't surprise me. Toledo maybe a little. Yeah, I mean, maybe, yeah, exactly, maybe a little. But it's like they kept around guys for so long anyways, and, like, the guys that they did lose, it's like, okay, you did lose, like, Daquan Finn to Baylor. Sure, that makes sense, you know? I'd be curious to see what this looks like conference to conference. Like, of... um, Like, of recruiting classes, or, like, of kids that sign to schools in the conference, what percentage of them remain on that same team's roster Mm -hmm. four years on? Or finished, I guess you could just look at it like a graduation rate kind of thing, like finished with that school Sure. four years later. And I'm curious if it's more dramatic here, because I've never, I guess I've never really thought of it that way. Because I think everybody just kind of, the portals added like a different dynamic to it where you know, the way I had always thought of it was like, you're going to sign 20 guys. And if you told me only five of them are still playing Mm -hmm. four years from now, I'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. Not all of them are going to be any good and there's going to be injuries and and stuff like that. But now you add in the the extra pieces like, well, what if they are good and they just go away, (laughs) which is something that hadn't happened as frequently before. Let's move on to uh, next topic. Uh, I, I just want to ask, you know, we're going to be so in my solo shows, I'm going to be like doing some spring topics. Maybe I've already started on that. Who knows? Um, I want to look at, you know, ask about each team's offense and defenses. And I want to break down EMU's positions. But for us right now, if we're just looking at all 12 Mac teams and you know them because that number has not changed and our, you know, oh goodness, since UMass left, whew, we know that list very well. No, no changes in this conference here, none whatsoever. No additions here. Why would we ever do that? That's not important. What is the biggest strength of each of the twelve MAC teams right now? Uh, hopefully, the the true seniors list kind of helps out because if you want to get sort of like a glimpse of like, hey, you know. How many culture pieces do they have? Hey, how many how many standouts do they have? Hey, Ontario Brown, man, he's still at NIU. Damn. But if you're looking around the MAC, um, can you identify what the biggest strength of each MAC team is right now? Some of them are easier than others, of course. Um, but a team like Akron, that's where I struggle, man. And we're gonna start right there. Do we even know if Akron has a strength? Um. I don't have a good answer for you. Oof. I feel like I should. Yeah, and I don't. Mm-hmm. Um, their season was incredibly disappointing. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think they get another Lin- uh, Lorenzo Lingard season, right? Nope, he's gone. So he's done. That's That's been wasted. Um, Jeff Undercuffler, you know, for whatever he was able to salvage last year after DJ Irons went down, gone. Gone. Um. I guess their biggest um, attribute coming this season is that Joe Moore had to be a little desperate. Hey, yeah, maybe it might be on TV. I guess that's the biggest strength of the Mac of uh, of their team right now. Uh, Ball State, you know, coming into last year, they were like, "We have two great tight ends, and we're going to 
do everything around them. And then before the season started, they lost one. Gone. And then they were like, we don't know how to play offense anymore. And then the transfer portal opened up. And now I think they're decimated with tight ends. So I don't, again, I think like Ball State's one of those programs with like Mike New where I think he's done a good enough job of like creating a culture there and like for as few true seniors as there are on this list, you know, whatever. Um, he's done a good job of maintaining a roster for the most part, at least getting mm-hmm. guys that like fit what he's been trying to build. Um, doesn't always have the success that the team had in, you know, 2020, but I don't know, man. I think Ball State, like for me, like their strength is that like they're still, they still play hungry. And I think that attitude's just not going to change at the start of 2024. And I think that's definitely going to, you know, be helpful to them. I don't know how that's very capable on defense in the last few years of Mike New. Very capable on defense. A lot of pressure. Um, I've definitely been most impressed with that kind of continuity from them. I like how you said that so simply. Very capable on defense. Like, I totally agree with that. You said that in so few words. Uh, Bowling Green, I would say uh, returning players slash culture. I don't know if I said that enough already, but... Everybody back. Like, they don't have, like, tremendous star power in a lot of ways that people are hoping to catch Maction in. Like, people define... Like, saw Maction once, and they thought everything was supposed to be like that. Sometimes it just looks like Bowling Green. I'm sort of waiting for them to reveal and like some sort of upside that makes us go, huh? Oh, oh, the, oh, you're bringing that to the table this year. They just never really do. They're always just like, oh, you know, boy, green, pretty good. Picked off JJ McCarthy three times. Pretty good. Pretty good. I, and pretty good. Gets you to a bowl game. And I think now it's like, all right, shown you can do that. Can this team, will it? Does it have something in it that we just don't see it? Because I think you and I are both in alignment that like that, that like ten win upside or whatever or nine win upside just isn't there. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm eager to see if we see it early in the season, well, which is really what all these non-conference games are about, right? Is like show me something that makes me feel like ah, there's something happening here. think they got a really good receiver out of Auburn in the transfer portal and that might be a huge difference maker if he's at least as good as uh Odu Hilaire was um Buffalo for I think their biggest strength right now is that they're looking at my that uh their hire of Pete Lambeau and they're thinking dude if we would have hired you 10 years ago we would not have nearly as much success as we're going to have with you right now mm-hmm. because we have, we had Lance Leopold, right? Built the walls, rebuilt, rebuilt everything. Got, got Mo Linquist, got the highways up across state lines recruiting wise, just figuratively. And then Pete Lembo dude, who's just figuring it out and like has mastered special teams apparently. And, like, in a time where, like, the coaching cycle has, you know, there's, like, so much complaining about, like, everything and 
there's so much to blame and this is why I'm changing jobs. There's so much to blame. This is why I'm changing jobs. Well, I hate college. I love college. I hate football. I love football. I love recruiting, you know, all this stuff, right? You don't take a head coaching job in 2024, especially at the Mac level, if you don't want to be a head coach, period. Yeah. Like, do you want to be a head coach? Pete Lembo, who's done it before, he's seen the scene before. I know like a lot, like, I've listened to like a lot of like national shows and like, I don't really expect like, you know, Pete Lembo get hired at Buffalo. I don't expect that to be, you know, a serious thought for a lot of people. Like I know, like it's interesting because his Maryland moved so long ago, but I love, I mean, am I like way too high on like the potential Pete Lembo has at Buffalo, like because of what Buffalo has done to prepare itself for Lembo 2.0? No, I don't think you are. I I liked your point about like no one's taking this job unless they really want this job. I think it says a lot about Buffalo that Pete Lembo, after all this time, wanted this. Because he was a pretty highly regarded assistant in all of his stops. He was a, a like in the finals for I forget what the award is called. My apologies. But the top assistant in the country. Um he was a finalist for it. Or maybe outright won it. I can't remember. But like this is not um, some sort of unknown assistant. So the fact that he said, yes, this is the job I would like to come out of head coaching retirement the for. The Royals Award. Um, there it is. Yeah, I, I think he was like, I think he was nominated for it at three different stops, like to emphasize what you're saying. Correct. Yeah. So he, it, I think that's why I have a lot of like, I have a lot of optimism for Buffalo here. The, the infrastructure's there, everything's ready to go, and he thinks that he probably agrees or else wouldn't have taken the job. And if he agrees, and based on his pedigree, I'm like, shoot, it's probably something good there. Mm-hmm. Good there and quick. I heard one consideration where it's like, well, maybe he saw the writing on the wall over at South Carolina and wanted to to get out, you know, while, while he still could. Like, I don't know, maybe there's something to that. But also, like, he probably could have taken another assistant job. I was going to say Broyles award at three consecutive stops. Like, he would have just stopped somewhere else. And also he could have had the built in excuse of like, I already said no to coaching in the Mac. Right. Like I, I left. I said, would no. not have been I said, out of I said sayonara. And plus one thing to remember, like, and like, I, I'm, I know that we've said it here before and I know we're going to say it again right now. Ball State did not invest in football like Buffalo is now. Like, it's mm-hmm. not the same going to a Mac job, going to a Mac job. You know, no, he's not going to Toledo either of those times. But, like, Buffalo is spending where Ball State wasn't. So, no, it's not the same. It feels the same to everybody else. But to us who concentrate way too much on this, no, it's not. Central Michigan Central Michigan, yeah, they have a strength. We, you and I, Eastern and Western alums, we have to agree that at some point CMU does have a strength on this football team. Um, I think that in the face of like me and you not enjoying their football, not because of their logo, yes, because of their logo, but also because they're not a great passing team, which has been like pretty despicable under uh, Jim McElwain for as long as it's been going on, right? Like, I wish we could like 
have more of a passing game to talk about because, dude, Jesse Pruitt is awesome. Like, Jesse Pruitt mm-hmm. is really good. Their running backs are great, and that is the true strength is that, like, they've really identified that, no, we love to run the football at 10 spots and then throw it to number 17. But also, we love to run the football a lot, and that's totally cool. It's it's good when it's good. But, man, I, this, yes, the strength of the team is the running, but Jesse Pruitt's really freaking good, man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have no other notes. Those were all my notes. Uh, EMU. Yes, this is an EMU podcast, so we do have to talk about it. Um, but to keep this short and sweet, with all the changes that's going on on the two most, you know, looked at sides of the ball, you know, offense, defense, you know, can offense get it right with all these newcomers, new quarterback, defense? Hey, you know, yeah, we're losing the linebackers, but. There's a lot of good pieces around those spots that are coming back. There's a lot of good bones. But what's the biggest actual strength? Neither sides of those balls, neither side of the ball like that. <laughs> phrasing. <laughs> neither offense or defense has a guy who has been a two-time first-team all-Mac player. Like punter Mitch Tomasek has been. Like that guy is absolutely amazing. So if I'm going to say what's the biggest strength of this team, honest to God, it's punting, and I'm not making jokes here. Hopefully they won't have to do as much of it next year. I'm not saying like, oh, it's so good when he's on the field all the time because no, but if I'm just being like objective for like, you know, five minutes here, punting is the biggest strength for EMU. And that definitely says a lot for a team that like prioritizes special teams and you know efficiency and all that stuff with with uh special teams right chris but, creighton is trying out for the iowa job heard it here first kent state what's their biggest strength right now my what i think their biggest strength right now is they have no expectations it's a lot like akron of course but i think them having like no expectations other than to just like Please get better and please get to like four wins, I guess. I don't know. They they could surprise some people and they could, you know, that could just be like their identity where it's just like, hey, no one believes in us, you know, like we're going to get better that way. Um, I don't know. I, I, I didn't obviously love Kent State football last year, but I just think like if they have no expectations and they can hone in on that and like use it for the better i don't know that can turn out to be their strength they're really leaning into the fact that they sucked last year dude i'm trying too, I, with like they made those sweatshirts or whatever with their record on it i think or like i was it was something like that but they are like at least coach burns has been wearing it to like not run from it um the I guess that's a it's <laughs> a strength. Um, Burns did spend one year at WMU where they had a, a pretty obvious and quick turnaround from going one and eleven. Uh, he wasn't there on that one and eleven team though. Um, but you know, there's something to be said where, like, if you feel like you've laid a good foundation and you got the players there, um, you, you can work up from there. I I guess I don't know enough about from watching Kent State last year, if it was like, okay, they have a, um, you know, they have a really good recruiting class and these things are going to change around because I I think of it like 
thinking back to the beat reporting on like WMU's 2013 season, like when those guys came in, like there was there was a lot of a lot of writing about how the recruits looked different. They looked bigger and faster. They were just freshmen, right? Mm-hmm. So everyone was like, "Don't worry, this is going to suck, but it's going to get better." I don't really know that about Kent State. I don't know if Kent State has the next Corey Davis walking around right now. No, but at least um, they have the transfer portal, you know. Which was gonna be my I, next I guess point I guess was, that's their biggest strength is they have the transfer portal. Your, but your like, biggest strength is you have no expectations and you could just clean the slate whenever you want and give it a you know, just let it rip with whoever wants to come play. Mm-hmm. Um that can be a benefit, at least in the short term. Um, you know, we've seen it happen in a couple of places at the power five level where teams just they just overhaul and become pretty decent. Uh, through the portal, I guess Kent State could do that. Why not? Just reshuffle and hit a lick. Reshuffle, hit yeah. a lick. Reshuffle, hit a lick right off into the sunset. Speaking of riding off into the sunset, that's exactly what Miami did last year, didn't they? Uh, their biggest strength is they have the foundation. Kent State wants the foundation. Miami has the foundation. And they have everybody back. They have like the Bowling Green advantage except that like they're just better yeah they do lose a a couple players but yeah i mean it gage larvadane officially gone see not gone yeah he's gone south carolina south carolina okay couldn't remember like where he went i remember he would they made like a big to-do of him not being gone and then a few weeks later he's like just kidding like i think they put out a social media post about him staying yeah Shortly after the season was over. Uh, they did, but I believe that was before the bowl game. Mm. Um, I guess that we're talking about their biggest strengths. That's their biggest disadvantage is that that guy is not playing in Miami anymore. Spe- I mean, special teams. This is special teams all- not always a strength for Miami. Yeah, I mean, like, definitely was last year. Um, obviously, like, All-American kicker. So, yeah, he's going it's weird saying that about like a kicker before they're like senior year right but like he's he's a sunday guy um yep we're gonna move on niu they have a lot of returning players as previously noticed uh and and that guy capital t capital g on offense uh no it's not their qb but it is uh it is at the one position that you do want that guy showing up for at uh at niu especially while it's still coached by thomas hammock ontario brown's a freaking beast man monster absolute monster and will continue to be ohio uh we want to say curtis but that's not going to happen i'm going to say their coaching ability because they've done a lot to show that you know (laughs) they know what the hell they're doing over there man like it they after losing Frank Solich, there was a lot of worry about, you know, how Tim Albin's gonna handle all this, right? And I think like after even after the first season, like a lot of Ohio fans were like, get him out of here. And then what? Then he showed that no no no, you guys need to just chill out for a little bit and let me do my thing and let me get you to Detroit, which he did. Obviously didn't win that game. Last year obviously didn't go right, but you know what? I think Tim Albin's got this thing going in the right direction. He obviously has tons of experience. 
uh, not just from coaching alongside Frank Solich, but when he was at, uh, where, where was it, like North Dakota State? Somewhere in North Dakota? I don't remember. Oh, I don't remember offhand either. But before he was working with Frank Solich, he was a head coach and doing really well. I don't know, man. Just trust the guy on the sidelines. Like, Ohio's going to be fine. North Dakota State. Okay. I, I, 2000, 2004 for one season. And then just to finish up with Toledo and Western, we're just going to put them, like, together because biggest strength for both of them is usually, uh, usually the same. Toledo especially. Uh, talent from 1 to 22 for Toledo. Uh, Western Michigan, they have a lot of talent at a lot of spots. They usually do. Uh, and last year, when thought it was going to be more of like a transitional year with the first-year coach, they did They did well, man. They I thought that they could have really competed harder after that 2-6 and six start when they got to 4-6 and six and there was like, all right, or yeah, Two and six, then to four and six. And it was like, okay, man, maybe you guys are going to finish with a bull win. Uh, disappointing end, but I like the way that they just went out and played and were organized and they were flying around. So, talent and organization, definitely for Western Michigan. Yeah, I think they hit a proof of concept, so to speak, last year. Like, I think there was enough evidence late in the season that it's like, all right, I, I, fig- I see what they're trying to sell. I think I'm buying it. I think that I think the guys there know what they're doing. Uh, the only problem is the guys there are not there anymore. <laughs> Just the guy, but the other two guys at offensive and defensive coordinator are gone. Yeah. But their biggest strength is Jalen Buckley. Full stop. Like they, the the biggest bright spot for WMU next year is that let's say your new hires at offensive and defensive coordinator uh, don't go well. You can always just lean on the fact that you also have a monster at running back who is just a few broken open field tackles away from being even better. Uh, like, yeah, let's just hand it to that guy 30 times. We'll, we'll get through this together. Yes, yeah, so if you have enough ability, you can pick up some yards against Mac tackling. It is, it's been proven. Yes. Uh, and then Toledo, of course, very, very talented. Uh, Super Bowl. They play coach. Wisconsin and Ohio State in non-conference next year. So look for those rushing guards to come late in the season. Uh, the playoffs are changing from six and six to five and seven, uh, going from six highest automatic or six highest ranked conference champions and six uh, highest ranked automatic qualifiers to five conference champions. Seven AQs. But, Justin, hey, you know, obviously, uh, people in charge, they just want you to know what's the hist- what's what's coming next for the sport. It's in litigation. Yes, yeah, yes, we'll have it under control uh, because we're going to debate right now. Is, should it be 14 teams or should it be 16 teams? What? 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 I yeah, hate. They want to put I, more I hate, in I here. I hate the way that this news has gone over the past we're recording on Wednesday night, couple of hours. Yeah, the last couple of hours, it's more from we're good with the 12 team and we're changing. It's just like all these leaks coming from the negotiation, it seems like, with ESPN. They're like, we're changing it from 6 to 6 to 5 and 7. Uh, and the deal is done. And then 30 minutes later, it's like, well, actually, the deal's not done. We're thinking 14 teams is more appropriate. And then the deal will be done. And then another report comes out and says, well, 16 actually seems like the number. And 
I think we all know who's probably calling the shots here, but if they go to 16, like, I, I just... I guess I don't know which piece of news to talk about first because like there's they're all different. Right. They're not it's not just a matter of adding a couple of teams. There's like and I'm, I was I haven't always been like a oh the playoff will devalue the regular season completely guy because that's not true. We see it in the NFL. There's big regular season NFL games all the time. There's and NFL teams play each other like in division twice every year. Like Ravens Browns is not any less hostile or Ravens Steelers just because they play twice in a year, right? So it's not going to be the end of the world if we have like a Michigan Ohio State rematch, right? But this whole freaking sport is just like built off of like a long season build up to some big giant games, and those are just kind of going to go away. They're going to go away because if you look at just like who the 16th te- best team in college football has been each year, I'm all for them getting in. Sometimes that'll be a max school. Sometimes it'll be Tulane. But I just... Like... I, I don't know what we're doing here. My objection is not necessarily to putting 16 teams in the playoff. My objection is to how the rest of the sport is structured. Like, via the conferences. What's the point of having two mega conferences and then a couple others calling themselves power conferences and then just being like, we have a 16 team playoff. Is, is there any, is there any scenario in which that playoff doesn't end up as like six big 10 and six sec teams and then whoever like Notre Dame and whoever else. So you're saying we need governance. We need governance. We need, we We need, need, we need somebody in charge. We need somebody to determine, no, you're over here. No, you play there. No, these are the boundaries. No, these are the conferences. No, these are the divisions. No, these are the splits. No, mm-hmm. these are how this is how we're gonna settle the seating. Okay. I'm gonna choose. I'm gonna choose. I'm gonna choose. That's it. No other rankings. No computer. I choose. I'm the judge. Let Nick Saban be the commissioner. I don't give a sh- no. Actually, I, I, I lied. I lied. Don't do that. Don't do that. I really don't. Want that. I really don't. Let want the that. man that was rest. The dumbest thing I ever he just said. Just wants to relax. Sorry, sorry. I, I just remember that he was he was bored. I'm like, hey, let him be in charge. And I'm like, no, no, no. He works for ESPN. No, we can't let Mickey Mouse win. Not this time. I'm just gonna first on the five plus seven thing. Maybe my read on it is too cynical, but like. Feels like the only reason to adjust from six to five is so you can like bump out. Like that's entirely because Cincinnati and UCF and Houston all left for power yeah. conferences, right? Well, and they're like, well, well, the well, no, it's because there's no Pac-12. That's it. It's because you want to give, you know, the quote-unquote seat at the table to four power conferences and then just like let the G5 just all fight for one crummy seat at the table. Let them fight for the fucking 12 seat. Who cares? Yeah, I get what you're saying. The so there Because no, even with even with the 66 you get the four power AQs plus a G5. You're going to guarantee a G5 AQ. Yeah, like even with 6 and 6 like Liberty still wasn't going to get out of the 12 seed. Right. I guess I'm not naive enough to believe that the automatic G5 qualifier will exist for very long. 
and like it could die tonight like i don't know just the way these reports keep coming out it, like is there any reason why espn wouldn't say like listen just go to 16 and tell the g5 to eat shit we don't care I don't want Liberty in when I could tack on like Oklahoma State. Is there is there any reason for them not to just make that official? Because it'll make some athletic directors mad. I don't know. <clears throat> it, it would suck. I'm not endorsing that at all. I'm just saying from their perspective and knowing how they've operated in the sport for so long, it's like why isn't that happening right now? Yeah, I don't know. I uh, I've I think I've proven that I am not a good forecaster for any of this playoff stuff. Like I'm still just I I think I'm just still seething mad that the number fourteen was pitched in you know in all of this right. Like I know I didn't expect anybody to ever have like you know, football fans or anything like that, like the best interest at heart, right? Like blah, 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 blah. I'm not surprised that there was a trick play, you know, ran at this point by the people in charge. But I am disappointed that you went with the unsexy number pitch of 14 teams of a bracket. Like, yes, a a thing that we enjoy seeing as sports fans is a 14-team bracket. 14 teams is a hilarious proposal. It is so fucking disrespectful. And you know that the only reason it happened is because they agreed on 12 and someone said 16. Like, that's too much. We need to ease into it with two more. So we're going to do a 14 team. Like, the best. We're going to do a 14 team playoff. What do, oh, yeah, but the numbers don't work if you can't play all 14. So they just give a bye to two teams. Mm -hmm. And it's like, after all the vitriol this 14 playoff just got, you're going to go and do a 14 with with two buys at the top? Hmm. I wonder which conference champions are going to get those buys, Alex. They're probably every year, maybe. Well, yeah, they got to look out for player safety. You don't want them getting hurt. Come on. They'd be disrespectful. You're, you're, you're the disgusting anything. one. I can't think of anything that would fix this problem even less. Than a 14 team fucking playoff. <laughs> All right. Georgia and Michigan are going to get buys every fucking year. And then we're going to give eight other slots to the Big Ten and SEC. And then that leaves you with four. So but that also leaves champions. room for litigation because our lawyers will be bored if we don't give them jobs. Just an absurd, like, unseriousness about how all of this is organized. They're literally like there's no like at least I I understand like every cynic is like, oh, it's always about money. Playoffs aren't real. They're just about having extra games with stakes to make people make more money. But at least like the NFL, like you can kind of see you can explain backwards from the Super Bowl about why you determine a champion that way. Mm-hmm. Like and I know they don't necessarily mean everything, but they like the rounds are actually named like the wild card round, the like there, there's at least some semblance of trying to explain how teams get there. And the the path there is laid out for you before toe meets leather for the first game of the season. You're just like, yeah, if I win 10 games, I'm probably playing in the wild card round. Cool. That's what I have to go do. 
in college football, it's like, yeah, you got to win enough games, but you got to do it convincing enough Mm -hmm. and hope you don't accidentally lose to Purdue. The G5 is totally going to get screwed out of that like 15 and 16 seed too. You know it if they expand this thing. Oh, yeah, that's... That's the trap I don't want to fall into because I think there's going to be some section of the internet, the college football internet, that'll be like, well, you know, you get this expansion, like that leaves it opening where like multiple G5s can sneak in. Like, oh, what does this mean for Toledo? Right? It doesn't mean shit for Toledo because nothing, they're going to get shit. Because if they're sitting at 18th ranked and they go into the MAC title game or something and they beat the brakes off of Ohio by 30 points, the committee, the same committee who's been screwing us for years that same committee is going to sit in that same room and then have to make the decision between who the 15th and 16th best team in the country is why would that be easier than the top four they're gonna screw it up and they're gonna just default to what they know and they're gonna know the teams that everybody's heard of and like imagine if you're toledo having an undefeated season but you have like michigan just look at it next year let's say Defending national champion Michigan falls to eight and four. They have beat Ohio State, and they have four losses because they had to play Texas and Washington. And they're sitting on let's say it was sixteen team playoff, and they're sitting on that sixteen line. But there's an undefeated Toledo at seventeen. Is there an there's, undefeated Toledo at seventeen? Is there like? Is right? There really? Do they even let them get to that point? Right? Because like. Let's say they are at 17. That, that, There's that's no generous. way they jump them. They're not going to jump them. They're not going to jump them. No. And, but, and, and they would get out in front of it by just never letting them climb higher than 19. Like Toledo, like, and I'm not like saying like Toledo should have been like ranked in the top 25 last year. How dare they, you know, but like it only took a two point loss to Illinois for them to not be considered in the rankings at all last year. Right. Like, I don't. There's not a lot of like optimism when it comes to fitting in into the playoffs. Like we, no, this magic jump is not like automatically just going to happen for the Mac. Like the Mac doesn't well, have to pretend like it's like it needs to be protagonist and all this. But like you're right, it's not going to happen for the Mac. It's not going to happen for Conference USA. It's going to happen for Mountain West. Sure, I'm surprised that Conference <laughs> like, USA was like the second one that you riddled off. Well, because the Sun Belt, maybe. The American was actually in the 14 playoff. Yeah. I know that they're in the Big 12 now, but. Right. But, like, it's not going to happen for mostly everybody in, like, the bottom. Depending on what type of year the Sun Belt's having. The MAC, Conference USA, and maybe the Sun Belt are probably always never going to have a chance. Because you're not going to get two G5 teams, even if there are two G5 teams that are good enough to be in a 16-team playoff. Mm -hmm. Because the way the sport works is they define what good means, and you're not fucking allowed. (laughs) Because they look at the end and they go, hmm, that team does have a top 16 resume. But because they're Toledo, that can't be right. We just know that this isn't true. So we're going to jump somebody else above them. That's just going to continue to happen. And I think it puts the Mac in a really dark spot because Toledo and like basically anybody in the Mac with enough money who has ambitions on going to the playoff, like WMU's new AD called it out specifically in his press conference. That was like from a football perspective, like our focus entirely should be on sneaking into that like final spot in an expanded playoff. 
he talked about the expanded playoff when he got hired. Do you think a school like Toledo is going to like watch itself? I think if that happens like multiple years, they put themselves in position and they get screwed. Like you don't think Toledo is going to try to figure something out here that involves not being in the Mac anymore. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that's always kind of on my mind when it talk, when we talk about Toledo in this way, it's Um, always in the back of our minds. Right. And there's no reason for them to actually do it, but they will. If, I I would. If I was the athletic director and I watched my team sit on the on the edge, and it's like, well, I love going eleven and one here and choking in the MAC title game, but I can do that somewhere else and make a little more money and maybe and maybe like you're playing on weeknights anyway. Why not float it? Why not try? That's what I worry about. I worry that they they lose content and then they're like the floodgates open. Thank you for listening to another episode of Y11 Audio. If you like what I do, hit subscribe. If you love what I do, all I ask for is $6 a month, and you can get it all at ipsy11.com. I'm Alex Alvarado, and thanks again.